Hey guys, I'm on the big screen. You know what that means? It's time for some announcements coming your way. This Wednesday here at the church, 6.30 p.m., we're bringing back our jam night. It's a great time for us musicians and vocalists to come together. I'm going to have chord charts of all of the songs we'll be singing. It's also available on the app. If you go to the app and you go to the main screen, there's a jam night link. You can click that. There's a link in there that will give you all of the chord charts that we're going to be playing that night. That's this Wednesday, 6.30. Bring your instrument, whatever you play. You can bring whatever instrument you want. That's like a great time to do that. Also, coming up March 2nd, One More Youth. That is our meeting for middle schoolers and high schoolers. That's sixth grade through 12th grade. Uh, that will be March 2nd here at the church at 6.30 p.m. We're gonna have a great game, pizza, worship, and a message. So if you know middle schooler or high schooler or you are one, join us for that. Also, a couple of groups are meeting back up. Grief Share will be meeting March 6th. Uh, that's Sunday evening at 6 p.m. in the Noah's Ark Room here at the church. Also, uh, Women's Bible Study. It's a new study Beth Moore did called Entrusted. That's going to be March 7th. That's a Monday evening, March 7th at 6.30 p.m. That will be up in the Jonah Room. So uh, those are a few announcements Make sure you got that app downloaded. It's a great app. Got all sorts of cool stuff. It's even got court charts for the jam night. Don't forget about that. And uh, with all that said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Good morning, everybody watching online. Happy to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop into worship. And now that you're here, it's going to be even better. Uh, it was great last service, too, so you're going to enjoy it. Then we're going to be looking at Hebrews 10.23 together, talking about hope and the faithfulness of God. So get your Bibles, get a coffee, get ready. Here we go. Woo! Good morning. Good morning. It is great to see all your faces and to hear all your voices. We're looking forward to spending time with you all. It's always interesting watching yourself like being recorded. I was doing this a lot in the, the announcements. I'm, I'm not pointing at you. It's like, well, just what I do. So we picked up our, our eldest son. He does that when he speaks, but he, yeah. he rotates the He gets the it from me, apparently. He goes like this. And so I was like, <laughs> oh. Totally just did that the whole, like, the whole video. <laughs> <laughs> Download the app. Nice. Right, go, go ahead, honey. Okay. So anyways, we're glad you guys chose to join us. Hope you're enjoying some coffee or some breakfast. I see lots of sips going on. Good. Um, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know, we're going to start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. We've had a really fun time last night and this morning so far. So we're looking forward to doing it with you at our 930 flare. Yay. Or is our, our spice, our 930 spice seasoning? Flavor, yeah. Yes, our flavor. I don't know. I'm just waiting for you to say something. I, I had Woody. nothing. Yeah, I, was, I didn't want to distract you. It's all good. Yeah. After worship, Pastor Regina will come up, and any kids who would like to join her can join her for, to learn a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to Sunday school, and then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are an encourager part eight today. Before we get into any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We love you, Papa. Thank you for being faithful. Meeting us wherever we are, God. As we're gathered corporately this morning, Papa, 
soften our hearts, ready our ears to hear so that we can receive the good things that you have for us to learn this morning, God. We want to be the people of your overlap so that we can show your love to each person around us. We love you, Papa. You're so good. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, you know that we cannot put our trust in anything that we do. Mercifully defend us by your power against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. Say, Mary took the cup. The last night of the Passover celebration, cups of place and sanctification important and celebrated. He's the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night. Jesus, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance remembrance we call communion of the Lord's Supper. He said, from now on, we get together and partake in this meal. I want to remember me. So his friends gathered this morning. We too can partake in this meal. The bread and the cup, the by and by the Lord. We remember, give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. One of our how he died and rose again. One of our with all in thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table, the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, by and by the Lord. Tables open this morning to all who believe. As we worship and you feel led by the Spirit, go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to enter into our time of worship now together. And you know, I just invite you, encourage you guys to sing along and to participate and lift your voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We're going to see the words pop up on the screens. You guys are welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Heaven invade this place.
Thank you. 
for this time of worship in your presence, God. You are so good to us, Lord. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I would ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the children your wonderful love for them, oh God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. So exciting. So, hi. For you. Okay, so who knows what the most important book in the whole entire world is. The Bible, good job. And we are in the fourth book of the Bible. You remember what the fourth book of the Bible is? Mo cool, numbers, right? The f yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Well, guys, yes, so our story today is from the book of Numbers, and we are going to be learning that the Israelites, right, they were still wandering in the wilderness, and they were very upset about it. They were done, and they started to complain again against the Lord and against Moses. They were like, why did you bring us out of Egypt? We have no food. We have no water. And we don't even like the food that you give us, right? So God sends snakes to bite the people, right? And then, because they, they were not, he punished them, right? Because they weren't trusting in him. They forgotten how much he had given to them and provided for them, right? In amazing, amazing ways. And they wanted to go back to a place that didn't treat them good at all. And that he rescued them from, right? And so what happened was that the people went to Moses and said, we have sinned. We have complained, right? Please talk to God and see if he will forgive us. What do you guys think? Raise your hand if you think God forgave them. Yes, God forgave them, right? In Numbers 21, 8, it tells us that the Lord said to Moses, thank you, make up a snake like this, guys. He said, make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten and looks at it, they will be saved. And guess what, guys? That's what Moses did. He made a bronze snake, and he put it on a pole, and if you got bit, you will look at the snake, right? And you will be healed. Cool. You know the story? So cool. Yes. But in the same way, guys, we sin, we do wrong. But if we put our trust in Jesus, God forgives us of our sins, right? He saves us. Isn't that amazing? So amazing. Okay. 
So you guys ready to say it with me? You guys will repeat after me, okay? Numbers 21.8. Good job. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole, right? Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Excellent job. All right. Job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hello. Hi there. Pastor Georgina is going to pray for them and then we'll dismiss them to Children's Church. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God that you have made a way for us to be forgiven for everything that we've done and be with you forever, Lord. I pray that the little ones and big kids, Lord, will follow you all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go have fun. That noise of the children is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I love to listen to it. Okay, I don't remember what buttons, buttons I pushed. I think I need to push that one again. I got it. I have to push it twice, but at different times, and I can't remember if I'd done it. But then I got sidetracked watching the kids. You don't need all that backstory, do you? So I just, I just got it. Mm. Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad to have you with us. I hope that you're doing well wherever you're watching from. If you're a first-time visitor, um, that code that just popped up is for you. And if you were to point your smart device at it with the camera on... A link will pop up on your phone that will take you right to our digital connect card. There you'll be asked for your name, your phone number, and your email address. We would love to have that over the next five or six weeks. Know that you will get texts and emails from us, um, and that would be great. We also have a gift for anybody that's a first-time guest. Back at guest services, if you didn't get one on the way in, go back on the way out and, uh, and demand your gift. We are praying for our neighbors intentionally. I ask you to do this while you're at home all week, you know, when you're walking around or whatever, running into them. I want you to be praying for them. And then when we gather corporately, we pray for them all together. So in this moment, please just kind of get your neighbors in your mind's eye, if you would. Think about some of them. And let's uh, just go to the Papa with them. Go to the Father with them. Lord, we pray for our neighbors. We ask, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, and that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you, and help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. And God, bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Pray for your neighbors. It's a big deal, right? We're planted here for lots of reasons, but that's one of them. I was looking at some stats this week. I just kind of do that stuff. And in this county, there are 47,000 people who claim nothingness when it comes to religious affiliation or background. So, uh, 47,000. Now, you know, you can divide that into areas, uh, but whatever. That's the whole county, right? The whole keys. But that's a lot of folks. So your praying makes a difference. So when we pray for hundreds and thousands, I, you know, there's 47,000 we need to reach right here in this county. <laughs> so keep on praying. Also, don't forget, um, if you would, we're doing our one more offering. Once a year we do this for a couple of months here in the spring. And uh, we just sort of put before you things we'd like to accomplish in the next year. There's a four and a half minute video that I shot. You can get to it on the app or the web. And all I ask you to do, really, there's two things. Please go and watch that video. I want everybody to watch a video so that the second thing is happening, that you're praying for those things. If, as you watch and pray, you feel led to help at all, instructions are on the video on how to do that, okay? But that's it. But keep that in your prayers. There's lots of cool things that we would like to do in the future. We're continuing on in our series today called Encourager, about the ministry of encouragement when we started Uh, We talked about Holy Spirit. This is one of his roles. He's an encourager. He comes alongside and comforts. That's the word paraclete, where we get the word encouragement. And because as believers, we're filled with Holy Spirit, we're to embrace this ministry as well. We have an enemy who wants to discourage, take courage out of people. And so we're called to be encouragers, to put courage into people. Courage, ultimately courage, to obey and follow God. Because that's where life is found. And so that's what this whole series is about. We're spending a lot of time right now in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. uh, And I've been encouraging you just to hang out there in that passage. We're trying to learn and develop that skill as well. That the Bible isn't a one and done thing. It reveals itself, more and more is revealed as you press into the Scripture. And Hebrews is a great place to start because the, the whole letter is filled with hyperlinks back to the rest of the story. And it should do that. You should read something and go, oh, I know, well, that's coming from here. That's coming, he's taken from here in the story. He wants us to know about this part of the story. And you hang out in there and you develop it that way. It's also written to persecuted people, believers, who are thinking about leaving uh, Jesus and going back to the old way of doing things. And the writer keeps going, you can't. There's, that's the old way. Wasn't, it didn't work. You found the new way, the best way, keep pressing on. And the way that we do that, the way that we encourage is that we're encouraged because of what Jesus has done, and then we're able to encourage others. We'll be in verse 23 today talking about hope and the faithfulness of God. Before we get there, bad jokes. It's so bad. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Sophisticated. People in Athens rarely get up before sunrise. Dawn is tough on Greece. I asked Alice to spell wonton backwards. She said, not now. Okay, Alice, my love. Please come. Lead us in the reading of the word. Pray for us. Wow. 
wonton. I never knew that till you told that joke, and he didn't ask me to spell wonton. Clearly, that was a joke. Clearly, yes. <laughs> uh, let's let's press into Papa, shall we? Before we read the word, Lord, I was reminded this morning of the words of C.S. Lewis when speaking of Aslan. He said, "He is not a tame lion, but he is good." And as I pray over your children today, I pray they would feel that goodness. Lord, you are not a God we can put in a box. Thank you. Let your power of your Holy Spirit fall again afresh on us as we read your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of 1 Thessalonians. This is chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Blessed be the word of God. You can be seated. Alice was talking about Aslan, quick story. So we had two of the grandsons over spend a night with us Thursday. And then uh, Friday morning when they got up, we, we were watching the, the back half of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And uh, it's a, it's a, the scene is coming up where, if you haven't seen the movie, you need to go watch it. Fantastic movie. The scene is, is coming up where Aslan is about to go to the stone table and pay for the sin of Edmund and everybody else, in effect. And I'm sort of, you know, trying to make sure the kids are going to be okay, because it's a hard scene, right? You know, it's okay, this is what's happening. And uh, remember, you know, Aslan is Jesus, and he's defeating the enemy so that we can live. And don't worry, he's going to defeat death and rise again. We're, we're setting them all up, you know, and they're watching it. And I'm kind of wondering if they're going to be okay, and the whole thing with Aslan happens. And, and they seemingly fine. I'm just got tears streaming out. <laughs> <laughs> Aslan is Jesus. <laughs> and I know what happens in that boom. Okay, you should go watch a movie. Anyway. We're hanging out in these verses here in the beginning of this series. Uh six verses so powerful. And we've already been through the first handful, you know, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So I said those, those first three verses are really telling us about what Jesus has done 
so that we are sort of invited to worship God once again. So he's made a way for us to be in the presence of God. And we, we've talked a lot about the throne room, the heaven and earth overlap, the connection, and what all those things mean. And, and so there's two big senses in there, things that Jesus has done, and it moves into the, the last few verses which is what our response should be. There's the five let us's that we're supposed to do. We looked at the first one last week. Uh, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. That was last week. This week, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And then coming up, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that's sort of what we're looking into as we press into this idea of being encouraged so we can encourage others. And uh, today we're going to dig into verse 23 about holding on to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So we're going to look at hope. And we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. So point number one is just that, holding on to hope. And again, let us hold unswervingly. We're we're encouraged to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now, I do want to take a moment and talk about hope and, and sort of try and define biblical hope in sort of contrast to what we often consider hope to be. Um, Because for most of us, when we are thinking about hope, it tends to carry a little bit of doubt with it. Um, One of the ways that we do that is we take the word so, and we add it to hope when we're trying to answer difficult questions. What comes out is, I hope so, which you, you get there's a little bit of doubt that goes along with it. Uh, I hope my team wins. I hope, you know, that it's not going to rain tomorrow. In itself, it's conveying this little bit of doubt that goes along with it. But biblical hope is not like that at all. Biblical hope has its foundation, uh, its faith in God. So biblical hope is founded in the faithfulness of God. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you get a chance to look at it in the very next chapter, that starts, uh, chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter, and it talks about all the heroes of the faith. It starts, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's tying biblical hope into the faithfulness of God by looking at the actions of the heroes of the faith who hung in there and held on to God, even though some of them didn't ultimately see the promises, but they knew that they were coming, and so they held on unswervingly. And so our understanding of biblical hope, it needs to be, it's not something that we're just sort of wishing for or desiring for. Uh, It's a confident expectation based on the faithfulness and promises of God. Biblical hope carries no doubt. And so it's significantly different when we talk about this hope and what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Now, what is the hope that we profess? What is it? What what are we talking about? And we have spent a lot of time here over the years developing our understanding of hope and the importance of it. We've done a whole series on 
hope. And, and so we're, we're hanging on, we're, we're holding on unswervingly to this hope we profess as new creation people, as believers in Christ who understand what God has done and what He's doing and what Jesus has done on our behalf and what that means. And we sort of ground this, uh, if you would, its foundation is from the last two chapters in Revelation which is important that you read all the way through, right? And in Revelation 21, there's this amazing passage. You've, if you've been here before, you've heard it because it's, it needs to be heard and read and pressed into and developed and hung on to. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be uh, his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no mourning, death, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that part. I scared everybody at 8 o'clock because, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure what he said was, write this down. Write it down. Take it in. Hold on to the promise and the faithfulness of God. He's making everything new. And we need to understand that this is, this is our hope. But, but the story that we have, the everlasting story that we've been invited into and that's now ours, I, I want to suggest to you it's better than what we've often settled for. It has a better ending than we might even imagine. Because Many people, and, and let me just talk about this, even believers sort of think that all that we're shooting for is heaven, and that's the end of it all. And that's not what the Scripture is saying, because look what happens with heaven. city comes down out of heaven to earth. Earth is renewed and restored, and we get back to the life that we were created for here. God's dwelling with His people. And there's this life after life after death that's better than what you've thought. Now, there's the heaven, you know, there's a, there's a peace that's going to happen there. I get if, if this tent wears out before Jesus comes back, we'll get some time in heaven. But, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like time for you to get bored. As I read Scripture and I look at Revelation, it's just my opinion at this point, so whatever. But it looks like that for the last 2,000 years, there's been worship going on around the throne. I don't know why they would take a pause when we show up. And, and you, we're, you tag into it now sometimes. Sometimes what you experience, some people want to write it off as emotion, whatever. We, we actually get caught up in what's happening around the throne room because there's a heaven and earth overlap. And worship is one of those times when we will definitely press into it. And there are times when we... And so when this fades out, you, you, I think you just get caught up into the heavenly worship around the throne, right? And whoo, you, you talk about something. 
And, you know, they don't even know how to describe it when, when John is trying to describe it. Well, it's loud, and it's like thunder, and there's a lot of rumbling, and, and there's, there's angels and heavenly beings, and they're singing across a room to each other, holy, holy, holy. And the, the other group goes, is the Lord God Almighty? And whoo! Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it might be that. No harps, no clouds, guys. Powerful worship. The, the creator God. And you're going to see folks that you know, and I think you'll be worshiping. You, oh, you get a little hug action. Wait, but this is late up. We're, yeah, we got eternity. Woo. Anyway, before you know it, Jesus says, let's go. And heaven comes down to earth. Everything is renewed and restored, and we get new physical body. See, that's the idea behind resurrection. Resurrection isn't just about, you don't need that to go to heaven, all right? It's different. You need that to dwell here. And that's all the promises point in that direction. So this hope that we have, let me, I, I'm going to go back to, I did this a couple weeks ago. I think it's really important. And so we're going we're gonna to spend five more minutes on it today, is uh, trying to picture what's going on and sort of looking at where we often think is going on, and then the reality of the rest of it. So this graph is one I used for the last 25 years, trying to describe this tension of the now and the not yet, this overlap. I've used lots of terms for it over, you know, three decades. Uh, and it, you always was the now and the not yet. I still do a tension between the now and the not yet. Uh, and, and we look at these pictures, and now I'm using a heaven, the heaven and earth overlap, the throne room, control room, right hand of God. There's a lot of ways to look at it. True tabernacle, we looked at last week. But the picture is that after the fall, this age was evil, and we were hanging that way for quite a while until Jesus enters the scene. Now, he's living at a different plane, right, in this diagram. And when he enters the scene, everything has changed, and now there's a tension between the now and the not yet. The overlap is there. And so we're waiting for his return to set everything right. I just think there's better ways to... Look at this now. And, and that graph came from George Eldon Ladd, The Gospel of the Kingdom, still a wonderful book, uh, and, you know, just thought-provoking and all sorts of things. We've been looking at that for three decades. So I wanted to uh, sort of try and describe this differently, and so like a month ago, I got the free Canva slides and started playing with it and ended up with this. And here's, here's the, at first, let me tell you what I think. Most people think Christianity is, and even what a lot of believers think that we're into, uh, and uh, it's, it's the, the short version. It's not untrue. It's just short. So what people tend to think, and even if you talk to unbelievers about what they think it means to be a Christian, it's sort of this story. Heaven is like a perfect place, which it is. It's true. And earth is a big giant mess. Also true. <laughs> and because they're so different, they're completely separated, millions of miles away. We tend to think of heaven as way off in the stars. That's, it's been drilled into us that that's what heaven is. God, if, you know, if he does exist, he's way up there and not all that involved with what's happening. But because there's this big problem, what has to happen at some point is that Jesus pops out of heaven, if you would, and he comes to earth. And he does what's necessary uh, to sort of make things possible for us to have relationship with God again, and we tend to think of it that he comes and does what he does, so at some point in the future, we pop out of earth and go to heaven. And a lot of people think that's the end of the story. And, and it's partially true, 
But the reality is, when you know the whole story, that it's bigger than that. And it's better than that. And, and we have more to look forward to than that. Not that heaven's going to be... Heaven will be cool, as I said. You, you, it's awesome. There's no, no board happening. But there's more to the story than that, like we read in Revelation 21. So maybe we need a better picture of what's going on. So when we get back in Genesis 1 and we start reading about creation, and we see that he created the heavens and the earth... But we also know from digging into it that what he's building is a place where heaven and earth connect. He's, he's creating a cosmic temple. It's the heart of God to dwell with us. Just what we read in Revelation 21, it was his heart in the beginning. And so creation looks way more like this. This is what was going on in creation. Heaven and earth are sort of existing together. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the... the it's God and us as his human family, and he's doing this amazing thing, and this is the picture. So it's not two separate things. It's this amazing creation, this cosmic temple of heaven and earth and what God has done. And, you know, he gives us vocation. This is what we're going to do. I'm with you. We're hanging out. It's going to be cool. He comes for walks. We're going we're gonna to go and make the rest of the planet like Eden because the rest of the planet was good but not perfect. If you can read, there was boundaries of Eden. And that's what we were going to do and, and partner with God. And, and it's going to be really cool. And we're also uh, we, we're given this beautiful priesthood part. That's kind of the royal part. He gives us authority to go, his authority. Priesthood part is where to be image bearers. We reflect him into the world. And we reflect the praise of the world back to God. Well, we, that's what he said. You're going to be royal priests. Woo. But we choose to go our own way. We decide, no, that's not how we want to do it. We don't want to do it your way. We want to do it our way. The enemy convinces us there's a shortcut, which is what his favorite... It's still his favorite thing. There's a shortcut. Come on. But that's what sin is. All right? And, and so when the fall happens, what happens is... Not so much this, which is what we think happens, and now God is, you know, way off. It's much more like this. This is what the Bible, this is the Bible story. This is in there all the time. So when you read about, so, because almost immediately after the Genesis account, we move into the Exodus account, and, you know, they're all being shared at the same time, right? And the Exodus story is about God rescuing his people and, and then making a way for them to be connected again. And he's going to build a tabernacle so that I can come and dwell there because that's my heart. I want to dwell with you. It's going to be different than it was, but there's this overlap that he wants to be in and he wants us to be there with him. And so the overlap exists. When you read scripture, you're going to see often talking about the age to come. And it's good sometimes to think about ages instead of places, times instead of places, because places confuse us. They make us think like it's talking about somewhere else, when in fact it's just the time that's happening. And so we live in this present time, which is evil. The age to come is perfect, but it's already started the process of changing everything when Jesus came. He inaugurates the kingdom at that time. And so this overlap exists when we talk about the kingdom. We're talking about this overlap again. Remember, the kingdom of God is not a place. It's the rule and reign. It's his authority to rule and reign. Jesus comes and inaugurates the kingdom. He starts things rolling until his return when everything will happen. And the direction, you need to look at the arrow. This is what's happening, is that the kingdom of God is advancing. That's what we we do that. We're advancing the kingdom. That's why he taught us to pray. Remember Jesus taught, his disciples said, hey, can we, how do you pray? We want to know how you pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. And then he gives them the Lord prayer. We're going to have to do a a message on that. It's just so powerful. Do you reckon when Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, that he might have meant it? 
Just a thought. (laughs) Well, it was just a suggestion. Not the way I read it. When you pray, pray like this. What does he give them then? See, without digging into it, we don't realize that what Jesus gives them is this powerful poem that that their disciples can remember. Why? Because they don't have Bibles they carry around. And so he gives them a way to pray that's a poem that has everything packed into it that they need to know, that describes all of this. And, And he says, you know, when you pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Where? As in Listen, he's, he's getting it so we get this picture all the time so we hang on to our hope because what happens, and that's what we read about in Revelation 21 is we get back to this situation, which is what we're waiting for. That's what we're holding on to. That's the hope. And God is faithful and he's going to do it. And so we need to have that going on and understand that in our minds because sometimes this present age that we live in is difficult. And it's hard. And even as believers, hard things happen. We see things that we don't want to see happen. Do you know the promise that there'll be no more tears and pain and sorrow and death? The promise is because right now that's what we experience a lot. I I hate looking around and seeing some of the things that I see. The mess that people are in and the brokenness and the generation after generation of brokenness and the world's mess. And and I, I have to know at times, that the hope that I have is, is so great that it allows me to stay encouraged even in those difficult moments. That's why, hold on. He's telling these persecuted people, hold on unswervingly. Don't swerve. Hang on. Because it's worth it, and you have all this going on. And so he backs it up with his faithfulness. All, in, all of that's wrapped up in this verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we confess, profess for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. You need to know that God is faithful. I love the faithfulness verses. There's a bunch of them, but like, like this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. Temptation? Temptation? <clears throat> I'm moving to the end and I'm speeding up to cover. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is the faithfulness of God. We have an enemy, a very real tempter, who's always trying to lay stuff up there to discourage you and to get you off track. He doesn't want you to live the full and abundant life that God has. He wants you to be like all the other people before us who go their own way and rebel and do all those things, and he's tempting you, but God will always, always, always provide a way out. He always does. He's faithful to do it. You may not always take him up on it, but it's always there. And I promise you, if you're looking, it's always there. And, and so it's on our end when, when we don't go the way he encourages us to go. But it happens. He's faithful. How about this one? May God himself, this was a scripture reading, the God of peace. Ah, whenever I read the God of peace, I like to stop and go, yes, thank you. Ah sanctify you through and through. Then that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. He's changing you from the inside out. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're pressing in, waiting for his return. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. You got to read it that way. 
The one who calls you, he's faithful, and he will do it. I should probably shout that, but I'm not going to freak you out again. He will do it. Write it down. That's what, write it down. Trustworthy and true. He will do it. The faithfulness of God. God is, see, God doesn't have to work at being faithful. It's who he is. He's faithful. He's, he's so faithful. I love the way the psalmist describes it because the psalmist, was, he, he writes it like this. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You're so faithful, it's, it's all over you. You're, it's just you, you exude faithfulness. It's just everywhere you go. Get like, I just had this flash of pig pen in Charlie Brown. And... Uh, <laughs> Only with faithfulness, not dirt. Your faithfulness surrounds you. This is one of my favorites. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. See, it's because it's who he is, he's always faithful, even when we're faithless. And, and he knows that about us. See, we, we, we mess up, and we have from the beginning. And what God has always been wanting out of us is just to partner with Him and walk with Him and to do it rightly. That's the word righteousness there. And yet we fall short, Adam and Eve. That was the first picture, and they went their own way, and they messed that up. Ten generations later, there's another shot coming along with Noah, and and Noah and his wife and his three sons and their family. Guess what God saw about them? Oh, somebody rightly trying to live rightly. And so I'm going to start over with them. And the whole thing sort of starts over. You know, in Genesis 1, there's water over everything, and he separates them. And in Genesis 6, what happens? There's a decreation, recreation thing that happens. Waters come back. Then they dry out. Noah is going to be the one. He's going to live rightly until he doesn't. <laughs> and then 10 generations later, we get Abraham and Sarah. And, and they're going to live rightly. And, and by, by this time, he says, that they're going to try, but they're going to mess up. And I know that. So we're going to make a covenant. And I myself am going to go and fulfill the covenant because I'm going to faithfully do it. And God comes fully God, fully man, and engages everything that needs to happen. And, and so he's just looking for us to be, we do this thing, that we don't, none of us do it perfectly. Everybody knows we have little mess ups, right? But God loves us and just says, go. <laughs> we had a completely off track, then I'll close. Alice and I, we have a little dog. Her name is Mia. She's our baby. She's 12 and a half now. She's just sweet. We love her to pieces, little rat terrier. She should be 14 pounds. She's 17, but that's okay. It's like me, right? So, she's really good all the time. But the, the other day, a couple of days ago, she had a little tiny tittle accident. Can I say tittle from the pulpit? She piddled, right? Where she shouldn't have. Totally unlike her. Uh, who knows? You know, she's a rat terry. She can be a little stubborn too. And so I see it, and I, Alice, bring, me the, bring the dog. We have to tell her this is not okay. Because that's what you do. Correction is okay. She needs to know better. And so Alice brings her in, and she doesn't like being corrected, obviously, and she's sitting there looking at it, and then all of a sudden looks at it, and just as we're about to, loving, we're just going to tell her no, right? Uh, we, we look at it, and Alice says, it's in the shape of a heart. <laughs> so the dog didn't get yelled at. No, but we were... It's kind of a picture of grace, I guess. She was ready for it, though. 
What? If you're going to... So if you're going to mess up, do it in the shape of a heart. <laughs> I need to be done. Okay. Hebrews 10.24 next week. The faithfulness of God is what we talked about this week. Next week, we're going to talk about considering how to spur one another on towards loving good deeds, to loving well and living well. But we'll get into that next week. Alice, my love, on your head up this way so we can pray. Ministry team, those are here, why don't you head over to the wall and uh, we will leave you on the tittle story. We did tell her no, no bad dog, but when you're laughing as you do it, it doesn't count. (laughs) No, no, bad girl. She's so cute. Papa, thank you that somehow even in our mess and brokenness, you love us so much. And you're so faithful to say, come on, do the next right thing. And you encourage and you restore. You love us. You pour out your grace and your mercy upon us. We have this amazing hope that we hang on to. And I pray, God, that that this week, as we move through the week, and as things happen here in a fallen world on a broken planet, and all of the discouragement tries to impact us and to cause us to isolate or get anxious, whatever it might be, that we would know that our hope is in you and that you are faithful and that we'll hold unswervingly to it and that as we do, we'll be encouraged so that we can encourage the world around us for you. You're an awesome, awesome God. The Lord showed me someone and you've just recently made a commitment to spend time with the Lord every day. And I believe it's a lady, and you've, you've made that commitment, and you're doing it. And the Lord wants you to know that he sees you and that he's pleased with you. And you